Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There is a time and a place to unleash your tiger. Oh my God, what are you doing? That wasn't it. Grown men lose their minds if they get a glimpse of Tiger Woods from 50 yards away. More pros, more courses, more golf, more game. Unleash your tiger. PGA Tour 2K23. Available now for Xbox, PlayStation and PC. I think the last time I saw you, I was probably pouring a beer over my head in a Chinese restaurant that time. <laughs> that was good, good stuff. <laughs> I remember wearing your cells, three size too big. You were a humble little kid. T-Rex set. He did my have very, very narrow, but off my ear, and it burst my eardrum. There's a few Snapchats to the group chat, probably. Like, uh, <laughs> can we rewind in your career and that from the, the first point you ever played in goal? I think we must have broke about three garage doors. The, <laughs> the seven dives before yeah, that as well. Sunday league training picture training on it, on a Wednesday night in Stoke. Donuts. On some donuts. <laughs> Spit out the water, but like I'm like... Triple H. Half time, he'd have a boost bar. Chocolate bar. That was just his thing. Went on numerous trials, got told I was too small every single time, and then this determination to win, to be the best, just takes over. What a save from Mark Howard. Here we go, episode number one on the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Today we have Arsenal's number one and England goalkeeper making over 100 Premier League appearances at the age of 24. Please welcome Aaron Ramsdale. Thank you for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me. Long time no see as well. (laughs) Has been a while, hasn't it? I think the last time I saw you, I was probably pouring a beer over my head in a Chinese restaurant that time. (laughs) When was that? I was on a Christmas do and me and Jem Karakan were sat down and then you walked in with Benicophobia. Uh, we'd been to Winter Wonderland all day. Ah, yes. <laughs> the pennies dry. And I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. turning around and he's walked in and I was cracking up laughing. And like, honest to God, I think I just turned around and looked at him and I was absolutely <laughs> drunk as a, Yeah. And just like looked at him and just poured a beer straight <laughs> over my head. And I was like, see you later, mate. <laughs> yeah. That was Bournemouth, yeah. So I forgot about that. Yeah, I thought I'll bring that up. He'll like that one, yeah. mate. That was good, good stuff. <laughs> you literally did that as well. Thumb in the air, just turned around and walked off. 
Yeah, <laughs> sums me up that. <laughs> no, honestly, can't thank you enough for coming on, mate. Uh, obviously, we want to talk to you a lot about goalkeeping and about life in general and that. It's been a long time since we've caught up ourselves and uh, going back to our Sheffield United days when you were a 16-year-old <laughs> nipper looking at me playing in the first team, yeah. wearing my old gloves, really. Yeah, um, exactly that. You were number one when I came in um, as a as a youth team player. Um and in then days, gloves were hard to come by on the money we were on. So you you got everything. So I remember wearing your cells, three size too big. Were you, were you pinching them or was he actually handing them off to you? Uh, no. no. I, I used to always collect a big pile of my old gloves in the training ground and leave them around and say to anyone, if anyone needs them. So like some lads would go, oh, I've got five a sides this yeah, week. Yeah. Mm. My brother wants them. And then obviously like through Darren Ward, a goalie coach at the time, I was like, look, if the kids need them, just give them to them. And then Hoppo as well, the kit man. Yeah, so I wore them and took the, the spines out. Um which is probably a big mistake because the spines actually made them a bit smaller for me. But I remember wearing them and they were like three sizes too big. But <laughs> you just had to get by because I couldn't afford 80, 80 quid's worth of yep. a glove. So I kept my good ones for the games and wore, wore yours in training. And oh, I bet you never thought back then you're going to go from getting these old goalie gloves to coming a guest on his podcast. <laughs> I was going to open this up with a joke saying you used to clean my boots. I was like, that's too disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even doing that. I was cleaning, I was picking kit up, probably picking slips up. You, that, you was were, my, that was my youth team job. You were a humble little kid though. And it was like, obviously when you first joined in with us, we all knew that you had some talent, mate. It was just whether you were going to progress and mm. fill out into the, the months that you are today, mate. The size of you now compared to me, I'm like, Christ, I'm intimidated. <laughs> yeah, it was skinny, wasn't I? And he was, mate, yeah. I had bad knees and couldn't move well. That was great. Training with you guys was definitely intimidating, but it's just what you, it was what you wanted. It was intimidating in the fact that you were, you were playing first-team football you weren't intimidating people, but, you know, you try and show your skills off and sometimes you just can't do it. And it was always good fun. We had a good group. when It was a when, good group. We it was were, fun. Training was always fun and competitive. Though. Always really competitive. And I think, obviously, Wardy drove that. But then you're a highly competitive person. So was George Long. And then, obviously, George Willis was there um, throughout time, if I can remember correctly. And we had Jake as well. Yeah, Jake Eastwood. I remember correctly the who was it? Is it Turner? Ian Turner came Ian in. Turner yeah, came yeah. in because Longy went out on loan, and then obviously we signed Ian Turner as cover, and then I was playing at that. T Rex set. <laughs> he did have very T Rex set. Very narrow, high arms. It's <laughs> uh, good shout that. God, I remember. Um, but yeah, it was a great group, and you know it was good that obviously we had George Willis who was with you guys all the time, but yeah. then we come and play for the twenty threes, so we'd tra- been in around our tra- training, and at the time, then them two. Uh, Longy and George had been in the England setup and stuff, so ah, it was good. And obviously, I got Matt Duke came in as well and Big helped Duke. training training uh, the youngsters. So it was great. But um, I loved that time because at the time as well, I was training the mornings with either you guys or the eighteens, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays in the evening, I'd stay and help coach with Jamie Anderson and yep. do with the kids and. Also sneaking a bit of extra training with like the 16s, but like using my feet or or whatever. So the best days of your life. Yeah, they are. When you're coming through then, you don't realise like the opportunities that you do have, but you just enjoy it so much. That's like when football's so basic and like you strip everything back and like you used to be able to be a hard worker back then. 
And even though you knew you weren't going to play, you were just like buzzed off yeah. it, that feeling, didn't you? Yeah. Even on a Wednesday doing education. Yeah. Like the lads used to hate education, but you used to go in and love it, like for the three, four hours you were doing. But back then you just say yes to everything, like literally everything. I remember there was one game, Barnsley away, I think you had a popped eardrum. Oh, I burst my eardrum, yeah. Your eardrum. So I saved, Your memory is unreal. unbelievable. Like, I saved a shot in training, not surprisingly with the size <laughs> of my ears, but off my ear and it burst my eardrum. And I, could, I was walking around with tinnitus. I, like, I, I could not hear it out of my ear. And it was the night before. Basically, you were going to be fine. I think you are on the bench that day and you were going to be fine for it. But basically, I got a phone call at like 8 o'clock on the Friday just saying, would you want to come? And help do the warm up. So, because so Mark's got a burst yeah. so Mark, Mark doesn't have to do too much diving in case he has to go on and whatever. It was like eight o'clock, and I was absolutely. And then they were like, "Oh yeah, you've got you'll have the 18s game in the afternoon because it's an early kickoff." I was like, "Yes, yeah, Sam." Brilliant. And man. then you lot went to Christmas do, got dropped off somewhere, and I was just on the first team coach on my own on the way back to training ground. <laughs> I got this. I got Sharpie's seat, so. Uh, probably probably took a few pictures. <laughs> nice. You probably did. Definitely on Snapchat as well, weren't it? Yeah, Send them around. There's a few Snapchats to the group chat, probably. Like, uh, <laughs> can we rewind in your career and that from the the first point you ever played in goal? What what was the moment that you realised that oh, I, I love playing in goal? I said I don't know. My first memory was probably be year two, year three. I was saying to my dad, like I've always loved football. Can we join a team? He's like, what position? I said in goal, and I was sat in the back seat to the driver's seats left and he just turned around and said are you mad <laughs> and that's the first time I really remember and then like year three we had um, like a little primary school tournament cup and I was in goal then and then just through then then onwards all I remember was playing Wembley doubles and they'd always be like who's going in goal and I'd go in goal for like four five games on the bounce and then have a game outfield yeah and- no one enjoyed playing in goal in Wembley doubles. No, I used to, I, honestly, we used to love it. Um, and we'd have a great group. We'd probably have about 12 of us. And it gets re- it used to get really competitive. So it, would put, it was even better if I went in goal and it was making them, it was harder for them. Yeah. Um, days were just filled of just diving around. It's always the, the tale of the older brother as well, by the way. Mm. So mine was similar. Obviously, my brother, we played in the back garden and he played outfield. So I went in goal and actually it was like he just wanted to smash balls at me and try and hurt me. That was and, that was the same. It was on I think it was it was on the front. We I think we must have broke about three garage doors. We used to play on <laughs> the gar- like use the garage as the well, a bit of wall as the goal, that. yeah. That was the goal. Yeah. yeah. That was the goal. All the that was the goal. So he chucked me in, in there and we try and score. He try and score. Um but yeah, from from then onwards, we tried to get at the local team, which all my mates still play for. So they've gone through like all through the ages. And they had a keeper. So I was very fortunate that one of my dad's friend's son, um, he was having a trial with Port Vale in goal. So his team was a year above, but they needed a goalkeeper. So I went and played for them. And then at the same time, played for my own age group for that team in the afternoon and played outfield. And then I was about three games in and I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. Like, I just play in goal. And then we formed a new team called Marsh Town, where I was there for three seasons, four seasons. And straight in goal then, yeah. Straight in goal. Straight in goal Absolutely yeah. loved it. it. Um, it was in the days where you kind of play like 
what was it, 2.30 minutes and then like 2.15 minutes. So it's yep. kind of two games, but it's broken up. All one game. You used to call them a double header. Double header, yeah. <laughs> um, there was um, there's only one time I've ever not finished a game for the Sunday League and that was when it was so cold. And I think we were playing like bottom of the league and I was literally freezing. So I got, I got took home early. Um, but yeah, that, that manager, Keith Griffiths, he was like, um, does he want to, play properly and goals like want to get better so I was like yeah so he managed to put me in contact with Fred Barber Ooh. and that's where that's where the journey starts that's where properly, your hard work really. began that's where I got humbled very quickly um I've never had the pleasure of working with Fred <laughs> but I've heard the horror stories about how hard training is he trains you to the point where you may as well sign up for the military yeah so Fred Barber was Bolton Wanderers first team goalie coach. This was probably I'm talking sort of ninety-eight to twenty fifteen when they got relegated sort of time. Um so the whole sort of time when Yaskalinen was there, Bogdan and, and whatever. Um he was their goalie coach and he was also Northern Ireland's goalie coach. But he is from Stoke, which is where I grew up and he did like a goalkeeping academy for all ages. Uh the young kids were so Wednesdays and Fridays, young kids would be 4.30 to 5.30 and then the older, and it would range from 45-year-olds to 18-year-olds. Some play semi-pro, some play Sunday League. We'd get a pro every now and then come down from like crew or yeah. Vale if they need to get some fitness. Um, and this, it, this is before the like, goalkeeping coaches were a real thing. Mm. So, like he he was one of the first pioneers of being a goalie coach, yeah, weren't he? He was yeah. like a maverick because everyone's like, oh, we don't need a goalie coach, but he was the one that was taking in anybody that would be willing to turn up. Yeah, literally. Um, and I remember doing his first session. I did the kids in the first the first one, and he said to my mum and dad, "Does he want to stay and do the next one with the older age?" And I did. So I did about three hours on the bounce. You must have known you were a bit of all right when you getting asked to do that. Yeah, I didn't. He must have. Speaking back yeah, to him, yeah. he was like he saw something. Because mm. I think I was only 11. And I think normally the youngest age to do the older ones is probably about 15. Because you've got grown men yeah. and women yeah, yeah. at the time booting balls at you. Playing goalie wars at the end. like Buzzing. But sorry, goalie wars. Oh, it's one of the best. Two goals. Games. It's the best. dream. Right, two so goals, eighteen me. yards apart. Yep. You just can the lash balls at two, each other. Two keepers and a goal each, <laughs> one side each, and just try and score. You're only allowed to shoot from like six yards each right. side, and literally, it's just whack the ball mm. as hard as you can. Miss the miss the goal. Run you miss the, the goal. goal. You run round yeah, the goal. Yeah. So it's a bit fitness, and uh, then okay. one keeper gets left in the lurch in the middle of the goal, only eighteen yards from the other one. It, we all crave mm. every day goalie wars. Yeah. No goalie coach does it anymore. No. And every day you'll go out saying, please let there be head tennis. Please let there be goalie wars. And it's just gone. Yeah. Fred still does it on his on his goalie camps. Um, and it's no, it's always at the end of the session when you're knackered. And the one thing I will say from going, when I used to train with him, he always used to make me do the demos and then do my actual sets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they don't count. The demo awful. doesn't count. And... Um, He'd always have the same line. We'd do this. He'd put on this incredibly hard set to finish. And you knew he was going to call it early to play goalie wars, but you didn't know at the same time. So he'd make me start and I'd be halfway through. 
And then you go, right. Uh, or I'd finish it. And then people are like, oh, looks tough. And then you go, right, right, balls in, let's play goalie walls. And I'm just there, like, lying <laughs> yeah. on my back, like, absolutely dying. Um, but no, um, he's still doing Do you reckon it. that was him pushing you, though, knowing that he could get more out of you? Probably. I think so. I think I've, I spoke to him recently because um, Arthur and Conquo plays for Arsenal. He's just gone alone to crew. And we get worked hard at Arsenal. We have a Spanish coach and it's different though. Like his is a very explosive and Fred's is, it's hard. It's short dives and volleys. And if you drop a volley, you start the short dives again. And Arthur, <laughs> could, Arthur yeah. couldn't finish his first training session with Fred. No way. Because <laughs> I said, it's, it's hard. I left a lot of things out for him to realise. And Fred uh, texted me and said he couldn't finish the first day. Um, so I rang Arthur and he was like, it's, it's not <laughs> it going to work out. Serious. This. <laughs> this is serious. And he's like, I need the games to start coming Saturday, Tuesday. So I get a bit, a bit more time off. He signed quite late into their preseason. Luckily, imagine if he had to do the whole thing. I know. But he'll, he, he'll be he, so much better. He'll come back and he'll be in a such better place physically and mentally. So it's more of a mental challenge with Fred than anything. Literally. Because like I say, he tells you to catch every volley and if you drop one, you have to start the set again. So mentally with Fred is probably harder than physically. Yeah, because there's times when you're like, I cannot physically catch that. And, he'll, and he'd still count that as you dropped it. He chucks one. He's got, the, he's got a wand of a left foot for an older guy now. And when you're on your last one and you go and you just literally want it here, he can purposely put it just over your shoulder. So you need to move your feet and you know you can't. Yeah. So the only way is you just hope it sticks and it won't <laughs> stick because you've got mud all over your hands from like a Sunday the league. The seven dives before yeah, that as well. Sunday league training picture training on it on a Wednesday night in Stoke. And you just throw it here. Right, start again. And it's like, oh, I've got another seven short dives to do with a volley. And if I don't catch the volley, I go again. It's horrible. Yeah. But it was it was where it all started. It was the ground in which which made me realise that working hard. So from doing that then, is that when he introduced you to Bolton? Yeah, but I, I was also a bit fortunate. He, he was having talks with the academy coaches at Bolton, but he worked for Northern Ireland. So on international weeks, he used to be away, which then meant someone had to come and do his schools. And that would be Neil Edwards and Sam Meek, who were 23s, 18s and academy goalkeeper coaches at Bolton. So once Fred was away, they'd come down and then Brilliant. I caught their eye after him telling me about them. Uh, I caught their eye and then it sort of snowballed from there. They came to a few of my Sunday League team games and then got asked for a trial, a uh, six-week trial. Um, and when, so it was the sort of winter um, when I was about 11. Um, and I did a six-week trial with UC's son, Will who you know, me and him spent five years together. So, Not just that, you end up living with him. <laughs> that was, a, yeah, so that was another great thing. I got the chance to, this Premier League goalkeeper, one of, in my eyes, one of the most successful, disrespected, True. underrated goalkeepers to play 
which people don't really remember because he played in a Bolton team which didn't really win anything. And They started signing some unbelievable mm. players in that era and he was the, the stale... He was the first name on that team sheet, week time. in, week out, and they had world-class players at that point. All the time. And he hardly ever missed a game. He used to have a really unusual set position where his legs would be really wide, but he'd be really narrow. So it was like something that English goalkeepers hadn't really seen before. And like, so it was so different for us to see such a strange set position. But again, with like a Peter Schmeichel who had like a massive presence, they all brought their own little techniques in and we were all regimented normally, English goalkeepers. From the book. Yeah, it was from the same book. We all got taught the same way. And anytime someone broke that rule, it was like, yeah, that's not right. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I get to see him on a Saturday playing in the Premier League, Saturday night or Monday more, uh, Monday evening. I'd be over at his house, staying over uh, as my sort of accommodation. Uh, and then we go and train. Uh, there's been times where he'd play Saturday, three o'clock for Bolton, Premier League. Saturday night, he'd be out in the garden, kicking balls. Me and Will will be kicking balls at him or he'll be kicking balls at me and Will. Just That's amazing. <laughs> and it was, looking back at it now, it was crazy to think because after a game, there's nothing less I want to do is no, then go, go in the garden yeah. and kick some footballs <laughs> um, especially with two sort of 12, 13 year olds who were full of energy um, so yeah but, but in theory you could have been trying to emulate what he had done in that game and without him actually realising it that day he might have made a save and then you've gone home and went should we get your dad yeah. to like take some volleys at us and see if we can do that save it was it was amazing because he just became a mentor without becoming a mentor and he became an extra coach, That's probably amazing. without even realising. Yeah. I remember he was playing for West Ham at this point. Remember when Bale put one in the top bins, like last minute for Spurs v West Ham? Yep. So UC then travelled home after that game and we were there the next day. And his youngest boy said, why you not save it? Why not dive? <laughs> <laughs> and like me and Will are obviously there going, that's just unstoppable. And he's like, why do you not dive though? Like, why don't you just give it a go? And UC was like, oh, I didn't know, like, didn't know what to say or anything. But <laughs> it was young just amazing. boy telling him to buy a ticket for the yeah, raffle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, he was just grilling him. So then from there, obviously, from Bolton, and then you came across to Sheffield United and that and did your, your YTSU Academy sort of stuff mm. with us and that. And from then, mate, like, the progression that you've made in your career, like, you're only 24 now, mate, but, like, how fast-tracked you've done things and what you've experienced has just made you grow as a, a man, not just a, as a goalkeeper. Like your, your loans obviously clearly had a huge effect. How, how did that loan system work out for you? Yeah, um, wouldn't be sat here now if I didn't go on loan and I probably wouldn't be sat here now if I didn't go to a loan which was struggling. If I'd have gone somewhere who were top of the league and... What age was you when you went to Chesterfield? 19. 19, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to grow up real quick. So I just, I, I moved to Bournemouth, living on my own for the first time. Then went back to sort of Sheffield area and was comfortable again. Um, and I remember my first game against Accrington, I chucked two in. Um, then kept a clean sheet against the league leaders the week after. And then fourth game in, I came out to clear a ball, missed the ball against Stevenage. He's a runs round, taps in. But the, all these experiences for Chesterfield, the team had zero confidence. We were a young team. The fans were great. I was making mistakes. I was playing really well, making saves. And down in them leagues, 
I was saying I was saying to Arthur as well, like he was like, should I go to League One and try and push into the team? I was like, the difference between League One and League Two, which I found really is very little. You probably just get a few strikers who have dropped down from the Championship. Hundred percent agree. With you. Sometimes have a little bit more quality. You kick a ball. You're coming out for catches against six foot five strikers, six foot five centre halves. The fans are horrible. The pitches are horrible. Stadiums are all similar. Changing rooms are all horrible. All you've got to do is do your job. And Chesterfield was all up and down for me, but it was more about just getting out there and playing. Um, and the second loan, I thought at the time, I genuinely thought they were taking a little bit of the mick out of me, um, sending me to another team, bottom of the league, by about 12 points. We've also brushed over here. He's moved to Bournemouth. So yeah, I moved in the, the January. So the season which Sheffield United got promoted, moved in in January. So I had six months sort of bedding in time, uh, finding my feet. Then did a pre-season and then in the January went out on, on loan. Um, I was pushing for it for, the, for a long time, but just wasn't the right time in the gaffer for keep me, keep me in. I was in, an, I was third choice, third, fourth choice, traveling to all the games, warming up. And then the Chesterfield loan comes about. So we get relegated. Uh, I've had now had the taste to play, break my form in the pre-season. Was that in training or? Yeah, yeah just yeah. tipping a ball over the crossbar. And whacked and hit my thumb on the crossbar and it, it broke. Spine would have made any difference or not? No, 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 no. no, no. So I took a bit bit longer to recover. Wasn't sort of enjoying the football as much. Going from sort of playing, not playing. At the time, Bournemouth 23s were on a different uh, training facility. So I wasn't training with the 23s. I was in and out of training with the first team, not getting any chances. 19, 20, single, wanted to go out, come from League One, um, and a manager who allowed your players to go out. Got into a bit of trouble um, in that sort of sense, picking the right times, sort of immaturity and stuff. And that's then, only um, natural at that age, that that's your, like your progression is not just learning on the football mm, pitch, it's learning off it. Most of my, I think the reason I'm sat here now is most of it has come off the pitch. Um, the reason I only went on loan is because I missed the bus for Chelsea. Um, got myself back into the into sort of the frame. Uh, Carabao Cup game. Uh, got myself back on the bench. World Cup. Went back to sleep. Missed the bus. Was you living on your own as well? Yeah. So like these things on your own happen mm. all the time. It's just dependent on how busy that day is yeah. and what your schedule is that it's day. Just the, it's all about the timing. So I missed that bus. Went into the training ground. Trained on my own. Two days later, was out in Wimbledon. Again, living, I was sharing an apartment with one of the lads. Um, but at this time, I had to wash my own kit, cook, cook all my own food because at Chesterfield, I was in a hotel. So everything about it now is is changing. And then off the pitch, I met my well, my fiance now. Yeah, congratulations met, on that, by you. the way. I didn't know I'd say that. Yeah, then. yeah. Um, but I met her at Wimbledon. Um, so everything off the pitch was coming together and then something clicked on the pitch. Um, I had a manager in Wally Downs who is a character, proper character like me. Uh, Ashley Bays, if you've come across him, is an absolute character. And it just brought the best out of me on the pitch. We somehow stayed up, somehow. Because um, you, in part, had a really good loan spell, didn't I had you? Unbelie I had unbelievable 25 games. 
Um, we got to the FA Cup fifth round, lost, beat West Ham, should have beat Millwall, we lost to them. Went on this mad run um, and I was probably playing the best football that I have. Is that because you were just back to keeping goal? Yeah, just back to doing what I, I know I can I, do. I found it throughout my career, right, that when you're called upon to just keep the ball out of the net, it, especially in dogfights, you go into like a survival mode mm-hmm. and it becomes instinctive, just like making saves and you don't put any thought process behind them. You end up going a bit safer than normal as well because you're like, if I do drop one, we might get relegated. Yeah. So you, what you do is you, you bat everything away. Your parries are double the that distance than normal. Mm. You go and make blocks that you think, yeah. like, and it becomes like a different breed of who you are, mm. especially when your back's against the wall in those situations. Definitely. Um, and then, but that thought process of I'll parry it and you do it properly and you parry it, the crowd will give you a clap anyway. So it brings you up. Mm. And uh, with Bezo, it was a, it was hard work, but such a laugh every day. Um, and the training pitch was awful and it was just mud. And it just reminded me of being back with Fred, diving around in the mud, getting as much mud on my clothes as I could to make my mum's job more hard. That's the whole reason we became goalies originally. And that's what I was doing at, at Wimbledon. And I followed that on the year after. And just quickly, the first three months when I went back to Sheffield United in the Premier League, I lost that again. And then at Christmas time, it returned. I, I had some good, honest chats with the people around me. And I just went back to trying to dive around in the mud. Didn't care if it was the right save technique or the right decision. If I kept the ball out the back of the net. That was the right decision. That is the right decision there. And that's kind of where my performances will benefit from. So if you ever see me where I'm sort of having a a patch where I'm not playing at my best, it's probably because I'm trying to think too much. Wally used to say, you had a ball, well, you've probably had it with with Cluffy. You had a ball in there at half, we'll play off second balls, quick quick throw-ins. Look, Cluffy used to get me for the last five minutes of each half to kick the ball out of play. The fans would notoriously boo me. So like the last five minutes of the first half, no matter what the score, he was like, we can't concede another goal before half time, And if we're winning, we'll keep our lead before half time." Mm-hmm. And it would be the same at an end of a game. So I would go into the, like this, go in at half time, and the fans are going, his kicking's crap. <laughs> He's kicked the ball out of play. And I'll be like, He's telling me to do it. We had one game, it was Oldham away, and it was like the last 10 minutes, I don't think I kept the ball in play. But we were winning 1-0. And so they can't ju- score from there. They can't score. Can't so score. During the game, Cluffy was joining in with the fans, and he was going to me, like pointing at me, he was going like, keep the ball in play, just trying to hit the strikers. So I just kept like, no, he's told me to do this, I've got to do this. After the game again, the dressing room was like, I love that. I love that you stuck to your guns, you knew what you was doing. He goes, I had to do that. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, that don't help me out. No. But at the time I was like, oh, we've won one nil. Yeah. It's, Wally, Wally was amazing. Like he didn't, he didn't give me or any of the, the team that much tactics wise. Forward and wide early is what he used to say. Basically his whole thing. So if, if a neutral came into the training ground and was thinking we were working on defensive blocks or and all this to try and stay up, it wasn't. It was all about what he created in the dressing room for six months how all of us loan signings brought into it and how we were all playing we had a goal scorer who was scoring and we had I was keeping the ball out the back of the net with the defenders every time I got the ball because 
going back to it, the, the Chesterfield one was just get out on loan and play. The Wimbledon one, the goalie coaches and the manager at Bournemouth really watched in-depth clips of my game. Yep. So they watched it for the Chesterfield, but it was just playing, see what you can do. Now it was, right, your decision was to go long, but have you seen the fullback? They just scan. Yep. And it's like... That so doesn't you, get us results though. No, but they were they were trying to see me playing in their team. It was like, your decision was fine, but like when you play for us, have you seen that pass out there? Because we want to be able to play the ball more. So you are thinking about it more and it was great, but I knew if I did do that and passed it, I'm, I'm, I'm getting an absolute rollicking. Yeah. Um, so it was and, great. And you'd also be passing it at that level to someone that generally doesn't want mm. the ball. They're just in that position. They're just there because that's where they've landed mm. and you're passing it to them and they're just going to try and hoof it. Yeah. They're just hooking it back on. But that was amazing because I had the Bournemouth side of it trying to prepare me for what they want and they had a manager who was so simple. So if I'd have had both managers sort of similar, yep. I think I'd have been stuck in the middle. But I literally had Wally saying, do your job, kick it long. I remember I was late to a meeting. I think I literally like 30 seconds late, walked in. Sorry, sorry, Gaffer. Um, donuts. I want some donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? I was like, what? He was like, uh, when the players' birthdays, we all, you bring donuts in. Mm. Like, we never get any for the staff. <laughs> all right. Tomorrow morning, there's a Krispy Kremes down around by the train st- uh, training ground. When I got him, him, um, six, a dozen, six surely. donuts, and then I got twelve for the staff. What are you doing in here? Uh, your donuts, gaffer. Ah, <sighs> don't worry about that. Carry on performing like you are. You can do what you want. <laughs> but then I, was, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. like walked out of there thinking, I'm, I'm not going to take liberties anyway. But thinking, I've got his whole back in. I can do no wrong for him. Yeah, but that must have kept you humble as well because he didn't really mean it. But yeah. it was just almost not a test of character, mm. but he was trying to bring you out of yourself. And just, he might have been testing you mm. to see if he did bring the donuts. He might not have cared either way, but yeah. it's like credit to like how you've adapted to each role like you've had to go into in the yeah. scenarios. That's something that every goalkeeper throughout their career, you go and play slightly different football and then you have to reinvent yourself. But you've had like the best of both worlds because... You, obviously, the, the playing out from the back it goes to where you are now and what you're now able to do. And that comes from grounding earlier on in your career. Yeah. I think that was a. I was fortunate with that because I was in the system quite early with England, so under 18s, and they sort of realised that we don't do it at the club. So they it was down to me to do, go and do it. So I went and helped, went and go train with like the the first year scholars or uh, the under 16s and do like passing drills and stuff. Um, but then I had a manager in Chris Wilder who was, don't concentrate on that, go long. So I was able to do it behind the scenes. Brilliant. Um, so I wasn't really making like the mistakes, which you probably see young keepers doing when they're trying to play out. Like my game, when I was playing for him, take no simple, risks. take no risks. And then I was able to practice and practice and practice on the training pitch and then with England. But by that point with England, it goes oh, opposite from what you've just been saying. These players want the ball and they're going to try and play. 
So even if it's a bad pass, like. But so you're passing drills in practice in the evenings with the kids stood you in good stead for then adapting again. Absolutely. Like I had to, I had to do that, or I wouldn't be as comfortable as I am now, or realizing at the same time why we're doing whichever way we're doing. So there's times now where we like to play football. We we love to try and play out from the back, but there's times Brentford. Uh, first three games of the season, I didn't do one short goal kick. And then Brentford, uh, before the international break, I didn't do one short goal kick. Do you reckon that's because of the expectancy that Arsenal play football? Teams are putting such a high pressure on you. It's realisation, yeah. Yeah. It's down to the manager saying, this is our map. Go and do what you need to do. Like, this is what we want you to do. But if, if you see free for free at the top of the pitch, man to man, go long. So they're, like you say, they're coming to press us. We'll just turn you. We've got Jesus, Saka and Martinelli absolutely sprinting at people. If I if I'm if I can and get it in behind, which a lot of the times I can, if they're a high line, then why would you not? Developed going? into an absolute monster with the ball, <laughs> like kicking it long as well, but I, like playing out. You like you, to play an out from the back. Watch you. <laughs> so I I, I notoriously kick the ball miles. Everybody knows that, don't they? It's Especially like, off like a short run up as well. Like yeah, like I, I take like a up. one or two step run up, and I can kick the ball box to box. Mm. And it's like I've always been able to do it, but I've always broke my kicking down into a golf swing mm. so like I, I try and I can draw the ball I can fade the ball just depending on how I strike the ball do you find there's any difference with different leagues different balls different does that how much of a difference does that stuff make the, the balls go on you can crack that up. right so the balls are totally different going from a Nike ball that doesn't fly anymore it's like we played pre-season against Man United and I kicked it for the first time in this pre-season game and I thought I'd kicked a biscuit tin <laughs> is that not um... one of the best ways of describing it Plastic. Yeah. Is that, like, is that it, it? it flies brilliantly for 30 yards, dies after <laughs> that. So you can hitting a fullback. Beautiful. Yeah. Little you, little zinger off the grass. Lovely. If you're trying to put everything you've got behind the ball, you can't. It just mm. doesn't fly. It and doesn't. It, it, it comes off like a wobble now. Mm. So it's designed for strikers to shoot from within 25 yards and not connect with the ball properly. But then when you go to like the EFL, when they've got the mitre ball, it's lovely, it's leather, it's padded, it's heavy, mm. right? And it's got a good latex to catch with, but boy, can you kick it. Yeah. And we, you play with the Nike ones, and because it's very plastic-based, the feel of it's plastic. You get one in the chest in the winter off the thigh, it kills. Stings. The Puma or mitre balls, which they're now in, they have a bit of padding, like you're saying. So they are heavier, but the sweet spot's so much nicer. Yeah. So you imagine when you kick a ball, it compresses. Yeah, yeah. So the mitre balls, because they've got this extra coating of padding, they compress that bit more. And as soon as they release, they just fly. Mm. And, and it, it is mental, but they've because they've got a better sweet spot, because they're a bit more cushioned, they just travel. So when strikers are shooting, they're, they're more true. Mm. So you won't see like a wobble-free kick or a wobble mm. shot in the championship or in the EFL because it, the ball will travel true. Where the Nike balls, they just compress and just like go boing. All over the gaff. I've been fortunate with International to play with all types of balls now. Um, and in the, what you're saying. What in type the, of balls? <laughs> <laughs> and in the Europa League, Molten. It's a volleyball. Is it? It is a volleyball. <laughs> it sounds like a volleyball. It's a flyaway. Yeah. But then you get the Adidas balls. I love playing with Adidas balls. Although they are proper tailored for, for outfielders, mm. they wobble everywhere. But when you kick it, it stays true. So it's it's weird. Like over a short distance, if you're trying to wobble it, you can. Knuckleball, everything. If you want to nail it, it will stay true. So they've, I think they've got that 
spot on, but I think it's just hard, like, especially in the winter, obviously the ball travels a little bit less anyway. Yeah, it does, yeah. You look at it now, we were talking earlier, like, Edison, if you look at him in the Champions League, it's a smooth, nice strike with the Adidas ball when it flies. And I'm not saying he, it's massively much difference, but you can see him definitely trying a little bit harder with the night balls to get the extra You think Ed- Edison two years ago was getting two or three assists a season yeah. and he was just playing it over the top to Leroy Sane. It made it look effortless. But those balls back then flew truer. Mm. So he could kick it further and straighter. But now that the balls have slightly changed, he can't do it. So you'll see last year he didn't get any assists. He hasn't had one this year. No. And you, he's not even attempting those passes anymore. So for that to have changed a goalkeeper's way of playing is crazy, really, from just a ball changing. I mean, what makes the the change? What dictates the changes? I mean, I can't imagine you guys are consulted on on that. Is it just... Ah, so a lot of it's down to design, I think. A lot of it will be down to sort of like the patterns they have in it. And now they've got some grooves in and stuff. They're trying to make it perfectly aerodynamic. So they put it in like wind tunnels and they see the way the air travels over it. But that doesn't necessarily mean it plays well. So last season, or was it last season, we tried 2025's ball, which they're trying to make now. <laughs> and that feels amazing. And it feels so good. And I said, is this what it's going to be like? And they said, it's still going to get changed. In the future. And then it's going <laughs> to, they'll just change it. Yeah, they and will. And it'll yeah. be back to square one again. Yeah. But. It's 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 all we know. We can we can moan to the hills. The uh, the moon comes in, but it's because we don't play football. We're goalkeepers. It's all about outfielders. <laughs> Even boots nowadays. Yeah. Like I wear the we wear the predators. I wear the preds as well. Yeah. And I got shown predators for two years time, like the blackout version, and they feel light as anything because they want more attackers in them. Right. So they're f fifties basically. So we're a unique person on the pitch anyway. But every everyone wants to see goals. So the balls are made for goals, but at the same time... They're making get, boots for goals. If you, yeah. If you can get a ball which can be played over the top by a goalkeeper to make a goal, surely people want to see that as well. Like you used to see Edison doing go, wow. Remember Huddersfield at City and Aguero's just standing on the edge of the box and they're so high and he clips over the top. Aguero gets it one touch, dinks the keeper. And they're like one nil up. It's, it's crazy. effortless as well. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> This is Matt Smith, and this is the glove review on the Yours Mine Away podcast. Let's go through your gloves. These mm-hmm. are Aaron's current gloves that he wears. What size are you? Eight. Right, so <laughs> this is mental. That like Aaron's an inch taller than me. Uh, I wear size 11 gloves. But obviously, like we've said, I wear spines in mine, so that does make the fingers a bit tighter. But my gloves are based on all gloves you, you measure on width, there is a, on the back of every glove packet, there's a stupid little measuring yeah. device. I don't know how you... It does not work. Never, never seen anyone try to no. do it. Never. And it, it wouldn't compute because everybody's hands are individual. Um, it's, it's like feet. So the, the sizes run like feet. So you have eights, eight and halves, nines. Do you ever find being you're an eight in your left and an eight and an 8.5? That could happen. That, that could can be happen. A thing. That can happen. So the, the, the top, top keepers will you, have... You included? A few years ago, uh, Sal's... Salesy tried to to make me a glove. So he measured both my hands. So they'll be bespoke to me. There might be a time when you've got a, a hand size bigger. People have it in boots where they have an eight and a half and an eight or whatever. So my are really weird. I've got a wrist size of an eight, a width size of a 10 and a finger size of a nine. My biggest problem with gloves is like the excess latex. I'm an eight. So these are 
nice and tight. But there's just something about them. They haven't changed them for a while, which has been really good for me because it's the worst thing in the world when they get changed. Yep. And then you they get... are constantly changing. Every time there's a new pair of football boots, you'll, you'll get the new colorway as mm. well, won't you? And they want Aaron, they will want Aaron to match all of these sort of yeah. things. But every season, would you say they change the style of the glove? They've tried to. So they've had this style for 18 months now and they will change it again probably at the end of this year. The, but luckily, the past few changes have just sort of been the backhand. So the ones before had the spikes where these have got like the more of the rubbery bits. Similar to the Predator boots. Yeah. But before that, they were straps. Now they've you can still get the straps, but... You can get the ones that are higher up your wrist as well. Yeah. Your preference is that you don't like the straps anymore or... So to me now, I... I would feel real weird wearing a strap. I think you give me a week and be fine. Yeah. Because you're not concentrating on no. it. But like, so when I do this... Yeah, you don't have any gavage. No, there. there's nothing there. But yeah, so I just like... There's two different versions. So there's these are the hybrids. Uh, Predator Pro hybrids, which have like sort of the extra latex on the back of the fingers. When I first started coming through, there was an Adidas glove called Adidas Fingertips. Mm. Right? And like, so that's these. So that is them that now. Is that is like the new version. So these and are the fingertips. So I came, I, when I first started playing in goal and like not with my first ever pair of gloves, but when I went full time, I loved the mm. Adidas Fingertips. And then Edwin van der Sar came on the scene with his finger saves. Yeah. And I was like, I'm wearing them because yeah. he wears them. So, so these are the fingertips. So they've always had like the, the finger saves and then they've had sort of two others, which are the fingertips, which are now the hybrids. Are the tips to offer a level of more protection, more grip? or just... I don't really. I think it's just more of a, a design. It's a design. Yeah. Also, when your finger is in them, mm. you can feel the end of them. And yeah. when you bend your finger, you actually feel like you've got extra grip inside. It's a weird mm. like psychological thing, but yeah, you're like oh, I can really pull my hand in. So if yeah. you're making a fist or even if you're clawing one away, you're like, I've got a bit extra mm. here. Instead of them being a flat palm and like you making a fingertip save, sometimes they would twist and you're not quite catching it with a latex. And and that's probably the, the main difference between the two are so the, the fingers. So these are sort of like tucked in. They're not a roll finger. They're like a hybrid yeah. between a flat so palm like with in. a roll finger top. And the other ones don't have this on the back. And they are literally flat palm yep. and they're a lot thinner. So you see Kepper, Melier. See, I'm an absolute freak. With, I'll probably tell you what every Premier League goalie wears gloves. But see, look, this, this is the thing with goalkeepers. We are we fantasise about mm. gloves. We smell, like I've said it before, we smell them, we touch them. Literally, you play against someone else, right? And you shake their hand after the game. The first thing you do is look at their gloves. Yeah. You're like, you, you go, all right, mate. Oh, you got them ones. Yeah. And like we are weird. Yeah, I think there's me and Jose Sar at Wolves who wear these. Emmy Martinez wears the pros. So does Melier. His so hands does... look massive in them. Yeah, like his must be an and I think twelve. I think I, me and Sar, I think are the only sort of two who wear just like standard ones, like the ones you can you can buy. Yeah, non customs. Yeah. So a lot of the others got uh, straps. They'll have sort little adjustments for the thumbs and, and everything. But I've been quite fortunate. Same with boots. Like, I can put them on and wear them and I'll be fine. Yep. Um, how, how often do you go through new gloves then? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, la this latex is really, really soft. Um, we get, so there's, say, there's three or four colorways a year. I'll get 30 pairs per colorway. I'll wear a fresh pair for every game because the latex is so soft. So this is a pair I've wore last week. So I wore Brentford, 
I wore these and I wore three sessions with England. Mate, they look weathered. So that 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 is technically he's worn them for four ninety minutes. Yeah. You work that out, right? Mm. That is not a lot of value for money. But what they do for that one game and that feeling and confidence that you have in that glove for that one game, you're like, well, you're not going to get that durability and that quality. No, there's been times where people have got to me and said, uh, what glove to wear, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to buy them for my son or, or daughter. And I'll probably see them a month later. Do Are they ripped? But you can buy different versions of each glove. Of so course. Adidas... Uh, they will sell a, a high level one, a medium, and a low. Mm. And the low ones are designed. Like the boots, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Boots they do. are designed to last a lot longer, a lot more durable, and you'll get more value for money. Mm. But you won't get the level of performance mm. that for Aaron long. will get from his. Especially for the kids who, who train on Astro. Yeah. They're just literally. So these are covered in. Um, the plastic cellophane. It's to preserve the latex, because mm. I could have this pair of gloves for the whole year. I'm trying to find. So you have to peel it off, and the latex is that soft that if you pull the laminate off too quickly or too vigorous, it, mm. you can take a little bit of the latex. You, off. you you peel it off. So I don't let anyone touch it. There's a bit there. Look. As a goalkeeper, before a game or before a training <laughs> session, I have sat in dressing rooms for ages. I do it all the time. Do you all sit the on the time. coach on the way to a game? No. Just... So I do it on the on the my match gloves. I do on the Friday and wash them and stuff. What's your typical like? Uh, pre-match like into a game so on a friday you'll wear that pair of gloves no just in case they do rip so how do you break them in you'd give them a little wash i wash them yeah so I'll, I'll have two pairs of the orange and then sort of my training pairs which will either be old ones or the old colorways by wash, wash he doesn't mean use soap no, or a brush just water just use water just and rub water. your hands together and then you rub it on a towel mm. to take that like coating that, yeah so it's like a, a, a powdery feeling that you get off them when you first wash them like yeah, a chemicals a chemical. to so preserve you, you, you literally put them underwater you rub them together you rub on a towel and you, you rinse and repeat right so yeah so there so just going back to it so i peeled the latex off just a little bit that's how soft they they can be so yeah water i'll either put my hands in or just rub them together these will last a lot longer when they're wet, but I don't like them too wet. So I'll do that sort of the Thursday and then wash them, like just rinse them again on the on the Friday. And then... Good to go Saturday. Good to go Saturday. Do you leave um, them overnight in a towel or just no, out to dry? Just just air. Yep, that's not, it. I'm in the same. Yep. No, not warm. Nowhere not near towel. a radiator. That dries them yeah. out. And then it's down to me on the Saturday. Sometimes I'll wear them for the volleys, half volleys, a few dives, take them off. Put on a training a pair, training pair, yep. or sometimes if they feel a little bit not need, ready, to not wear. ready, I'll just completely wear them for the warm up, um, and then they'll be good to go. You're catching so many balls, so that's typically what it was. I used to wear them on a on a Friday, um, but I used to get so conscious that if in case damaging them, yeah, I've got some, I've got like a a little thing where if I've got a little bit of latex, I know a lot of people like to wear wear them. Yeah, I'm, um, I don't. I'm, I'm like yeah. you. I, ben, I've got ben OCD. Foster can, if they look damaged, yeah. I'm like, they're I can't not, wear them. They're not 100%. No, the same, exactly the same. But Ben Foster likes the little bits of greys because mm. he knows then they've been worn. Bert Leno wears Puma. He wears spines. And in between like our little goalie area and the pitches is like, you know, like the red bricks. Yeah, little like ash. Red ash, it's called. Rubs in. his hands yeah. all over it. And I'm like, I showed him after a training session like, they were pretty what would knackered. happen to yours did it and there's just holes but it's like that's what he likes he likes to feel i like mine to be just wet and looking nice he likes his to feel rough 
and and not too wet. He likes his like that. So I mean, it might have even become a bit of a pre-game ritual. Sort of yeah. Thing. I mean, like, have you got anything of that nature? Do you do any sort of pre-game? Um, I, I think a lot of people would like to know what your match day looks like. What you would eat? Yeah. So I'm not too too fussy with eating. I'll either wake up and I'm hungry, and I'll have a different pre-match, or I wake up and I'm normal and just force myself to eat uh, cereal. Um, and some toast or sometimes if I'm hungry I'll have sort of like eggs on toast or like if it's a late kickoff if I'm a hungry chicken some toast and whatever so I'm, I quite vary but recently it's just been cereal quite light yeah like uh, yep. Weetabix or Cocoa Pops or, or anything and then like a slice of toast with some jam because a goalkeeper typically we don't need a big meal big carbohydrates as is through the week we we fuel up during the week that on a match day, I like to be as light as mm. possible. And it's it's not that feeling of feeling full that feels like it would slow you down. You just like to feel like your body is going to be running at your optimum it can do. Mm. So like me feeling lighter, and I, I'm literally like a caffeine addict on a match day. I mean. Like, and this is something that you'll find. Like I have like loads of coffees. I even chew ca- caffeine gum before each half. Uh Back in the day, I used to take Pro Pluses, but like even like down to, I used to have Red Bulls, and then I've started to just go right. I'll just have coffee and caffeine gum, mm. and I find that plenty now. So I'll have a coffee um, in the morning. So say it's a three o'clock kickoff. Coffee when we go on a walk in the morning, like ten o'clock, uh, nine o'clock, and then another coffee with pre-match. That's about eleven thirty. Yeah, I have a coffee on the way to the training, uh, onto the stadium. So on the bus, <laughs> I'll get there. I'll have. So the Pro Plus is the tablets, but now they're in shots. Yep. So caffeine shots. I'll have a caffeine shot just before warm-up with a caffeine gum for the warm-up. And then at half-time, I'll have enough caffeine gum. You must be buzzing. Yeah. Absolutely so I, buzzing. I, I can't sleep. <laughs> I, I, we play 12.30 kickoff or we play 8 o'clock kickoff and I will be up till 5 in the morning. You, you can't switch off. So our game is not a physical game on a Saturday. We are pure 100% mental. Mm. Everything we do is in our head, really. So like Monday to Friday, we work hard as anything. But on a Saturday, it's just concentration. Mm. So what you will find about a goalkeeper is we like to be like that feeling of buzzing. You have to be right? alert. But alert with a calmness. Yeah. So it's so hard to get your balance. So our job is to just put a calmness around the team. So like to to to, to not let anyone ever feel panicked. That's mm. a goalkeeper's job. But we wire ourselves on caffeine. It yeah. makes no sense. But then... We don't eat the same. We have a total different diet Monday to Friday and a Saturday to, to an outfield player. So we are, uh, we are again, an individual doing a team sport. But mm. this changes everything we do. And this is why the preconception of footballers think goalies are weird mm. or we're crazy. or like, And that is only because we're different. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I've seen Simon Moore. I don't know if he still does it, but when he was playing for Sheffield United, half time he'd have a boost bar, chocolate bar. That was just his thing. People think it's weird because the outfielders aren't having Sounds a chocolate weird bar. Having a chocolate yeah, bar like, but why just not? He's having a boost bar. <laughs> he's like, it's got caffeine in. There's a bit of chocolate. Goes, Sugar rush. Oh, you like chocolate. You know what I mean? It's, it's the best of both worlds. But <laughs> so yeah. So match day. That's that pre-match quite quite light, but it varies. I'm not sort of a superstitious pre-match person. Have you got any superstitions? Um, I do. Like weirdly, so I talked about this before. Right? So like I, I, I like walk out to before kickoff, uh, walk in my goal, I take my caffeine gum out, put it behind the goal, I have a sip of water. And then for some reason I've developed into this thing of like, as I walk around my goal, I spit out the water, but like I'm like, 
Triple like, H. I, this is what I've used before, Triple H. Show. How awkward but is like, it? Yeah, it's like that. And I'm like, I didn't know when I picked that up, but I know that I do it now. Right. So I still do it. And then after that, I then, instead of like having a jog like the outfield players do or doing some fast feet, I talk to myself. Mm. And I know you've talked in the past about you singing games, you stay active. And I do this before kickoff. So you know when the ref's doing like the coin flip and all this like sort of stuff, I will just walk up and down the goal and tell myself objectives from for that game. So like... They shoot from distance. Make sure I'm alert. And I just remind just myself. Yeah, do you do stuff like this? Um, so mine is uh, match day. So no one's allowed to wear my gloves on match day. Throughout the week, you can do what you want. Put them on, whatever. Match day, they're mine. Uh, all my right side of the stuff go, go on first. That's just dominant. It wouldn't throw me off if it, it wasn't, but it's just natural. It's a habit now, yeah. This is where my, so my superstition now comes in. So I go into the physio room and it's sometimes difficult when you play away in smaller dressing rooms, but I'll have it. So it'll be in the showers or where I would take myself away. Right glove on, left glove on, right glove off. Oh no, so right glove on, left glove on. And I'll stand there and we've got a mirror in our physio room and I'll stand in the mirror and I'll look down, make sure I look all right. Um, touch my toes, a few claps together. Check they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure they're warm. Uh, <laughs> then right glove off. Then go around and say, uh, good luck to everyone. Good luck to everyone. I hate it when I'm doing my tape or something and someone tries to do this. Leave me alone. Yeah. I don't want people touching my gloves, so I shake. But also it's a... See, like him getting ready, that that's him checking his equipment. Even like you're looking in the mirror, you're checking that you're ready to play. Yeah. So then you know you're ready to play. So then you take your glove off, go and say, hello. Yeah. Like, good luck to everyone. And then it's fine. The other side of taking my glove off was is a respect thing. Mm. Uh, I remember my, I was on the bench for a uh, youth cup game against Man United and Bobby Charlton was there. And my dad went and said hello and he took his glove off for my dad. So that was like one of the things which like stuck in my head. So that's mine. And then uh, do the handshakes with my glove off, put my glove on, uh, centre circle, the ball's on the spot. I'll go over and sort of just bend over and feel it, bounce it on the floor a couple of times, run over to the goal, clap the fans, and then just as kickoff's taken, which is kind of killing me at the moment because I take kickoff. Yeah, you take centre. Yeah. Effectively, they pass it back to him and he kicks mm. it, which is very di- indifferent, really. Yeah. Uh, but normally I am hand on the crossbar, no matter if it's being a goal against, goal for, start of the game, second half. Every time there's a restart from the centre circle, it's just like a just a restart, just to, to go again. Doesn't matter if it's my mistake. We've scored a worldie. We're three one down. Um, my dad, my dad used to write F it on my gloves in case I made a mistake. So there was a, there was times where I used to make mistake and proper beat myself up as a kid. Like it's that emotional control which you've just spoke about. So I went through kind of ways of trying to talking to yourself saying if you've made a mistake you spit on your gloves and you wipe off and it's like a clean slate it's gone it's gone but then he went for a stage of like putting effort like effort mentality on your gloves so you look down and you're like oh right all right effort it's gone but that that crossbar one is just a reset right it's there and and it's just sort of me telling myself this is the start now the start of the game we every time a, there's, there's a classic saying in football right that every time you restart play it's still nil nil so like Sunday. everyone mm. uses yeah, this yeah. you could be four nil up and you're still going treat it like it's nil nil that's, that's the that's the shout at half time when you're winning hmm? even in our games and international games 
because you can't rely on anything. One goal changes everything. So that they're mine. Um, two pairs of socks, two pairs of white socks. One for warm up, one because I change everything. So I'm I'm similar. I I don't like to warm up in any of the kit that I wear I for the game, apart from my slips. Yep, same. So like boots it, are different. It, uh, even down to I, I warm up in a different pair of boots because I don't like that feeling of them being a bit damp yep. or yeah. I'm, that is that so <laughs> I think you, I might have got that from you. You, you know? probably I think did. I might have got that from you. But like <laughs> you, you've probably he probably grew up in a dressing room where I would probably do that yeah. and then mm. not buy on like nothing on purpose. But our, you'd have picked up some of like the things. Yeah, because we've got. But Hoppo was brilliant. So our kit man at Sheffield United, he would go above and beyond to make sure you felt like you had everything. So. When someone's willing to do that for you, you're like, oh, I will change that. Mm. And I will have a new pair of socks. Um, I'm, so Mike, going back to Hoppo, the Sheffield United kit man, um, he brought in an assistant, Adam Geelan, who's like, was one of my friends off the pitch. But my job as a youth team person was taking the kit from the top building at Sheffield United down to the bottom to laundry. In the wheelie bins. In the wheelie bins. Um, but Hoppo, you used to do it well for Hoppo. Hoppo used to give you stuff. I went to Chesterfield and Bournemouth on loan. And he gave me all my Under Armours and undershorts were from Hoppo. From, from all all colour matching to his match kit. Yeah. But it was from Hoppo, kit. like yeah, yeah. from what he had before. So I think we had a purple um, at Wimbledon and about four years before, Sheffield United had a purple kit. Yeah. So he kept them and I've got them all. <laughs> and it's just like how you tr- like how you treat them people. Like everyone says kit men make the football club. They really do. And they, uh, he makes that football club. Yeah, he does. and he's been there ever since. Yeah. Obviously, tells you tells you something about him. So he's got a great character in the dressing room and that. But he he does go above and beyond. He loves the lads, <laughs> and the lads love him. He is mental. I've got a great story. <laughs> Tottenham away last year, uh, two years ago. Um, so COVID, no oddballs. Yeah, the, the boxers and stuff. We've walked into friend, the friend of the pod actually. Are they? Yeah, oh, they've actually we are then. Provided some gifts for our guests. Nice. I love oddballs. I've got, I've got some, they're, they're so comfy. But <laughs> we're walking into Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We've had a tough, tough year. And we walk in to our kit man, kit man in a pink two-piece women's bra and thong type um, pants just in the middle of Tottenham dressing room. <laughs> Need anything, lads, like walking, walking around, like he's got a proper Yorkshire accent, hasn't mm. he? Oh. All right, love. All right, you got everything, love. And he's in this two-piece and honestly... It didn't do anything for the game. We got beat, but <laughs> it was amazing. These they, they used to work till like three in the morning. The next day we're in at nine. And they're like, don't know how... Like, And so, they were full of energy as well. Like, yeah. They were the ones that, like like you said, helped the club run. Yeah, we've gone off topic from the gloves, haven't we? But, right. No, no, let's go back to... Let's go to your Arsenal career then and mm-hmm. England career. Obviously, you're absolutely smashing it, mate. You've got over 100 Premier League appearances at 24. Mm. You're not ready to settle for this either. You're pushing yourself, and you can see that even like in your eyes looking at mm. us now. So, how how did you just flip that switch when you got your move? Obviously, you had to bide your time initially. H- how did that end up working out? Um, well, the second the second the second year in a row when we got relegated with Sheffield, there was a few sort of rumours and stuff. And I remember my dad saying, "You're not signing for anyone." who's going to be in another position like we've been in the past two years. He'd prefer me to have a, a strong season and championship back enjoying it and stuff. Um, so he said the only the only place I'd not allow you to go because it's your career, but want you to go would be a top club. And if that means sitting on the bench for a year, you'll fight your way in. Because I love 
I love challenges. Like I love being able to to either prove people wrong or get in front of someone and get the better of them. Um, so this dragged on for a while with Arsenal. And when I got there, everything just sort of clicked into place. The way they wanted to play suited me. Um, the team had a tough start. But it was, this was Burn Leno. This is an international goalkeeper who's been outstanding for the past three years. And it wasn't his fault that the team were losing games. So it wasn't just an easy of, he's having a stinker, I'm in. He was still performing very, very well. And I just had the opportunity to to sort of get in. And then when I knew, when I got my, my chance, I knew I just had to stay there. And then it's that sort of fight or flight thing in your head, like we were talking about, like this determination to win, to be the best, just takes over. But your dad um, must have been well proud at that stage. I mean, it sounds like you've mentioned him a few times. Mm. Sounds like he's been quite... Yeah, he's big. He was... He he, he's him and my mum. Like my mum was more the journeys to Bolton, getting me there and stuff. My dad's probably more like the talker. He understands that a little bit more. But he was the one I had honest conversations with the year before at Sheffield, and that sort of came from him saying I wouldn't. Well, he didn't want me to leave Bournemouth, but he never like openly said it to me. Um, Is that to bubble wrap you a little bit so you weren't open to that? fight again and that maybe disappointment of a I relegation think so, yeah I think he, he he knew what Bournemouth were trying to do and and I was settled there and um he just wanted to see me enjoying myself and I was like no I've got aspirations blah 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 um but yeah so me and my dad we were very honest with each other like and what's ever said is is said and it's not taken any further but we got got in and it's just been a fight because Burned was there on my shoulder every single day in training. Like some of the stuff I would, some of the saves he's making, and I'm like, I, I can't do that. It's it's like that with everyone. Isn't yeah, it? It is, you yeah. look at certain people going, I can't do that. But, but you then, keep goal your own way. But then when you do something in your head, you go, you can't do that. Yeah, to them. And that's a natural competitive element in all of us. We all have our own flaws, but we all know our own strengths. Yeah. And as long as you can get the most out of your strengths. And being a solid six or seven out of ten with your weaknesses. Yeah. Mm. That's where things. So I just I had the backing of the manager. Um the team were great. I knew I knew a few of them already and we had a great English core. And it was just a, it's just challenging. And that's the best thing, which for me is if if I'm standing still or I have an easy sort of easy way through, I I've never had it easy. The release from Bolton went on numerous trials, got told I was too small every single time and then relegation after relegation so it's just the way the way I like it I like the I like the uphill battle you're ready for the fight mate yeah I am I hope so yeah so obviously playing week in week out for Arsenal you're flying now top of the league uh, as we currently speak what are your hopes and aspirations for this season a trophy's got to be before the season started I said that we we need to win the Europa League I don't see why you wouldn't um, aim for that goal. It's a chance of a trophy. You qualify for the Champions League anyway. So the top four was a goal. But for me, I was like, why would you go into a Europa League season and not try and win it? So try and win that or try and win a domestic cup. But obviously, we're sitting here now at the top of the league, but there's a long old way to go with an awkward situation in the middle with obviously the World Cup. So that might help teams or hinder teams. You lose momentum, 
lose players with injuries and all this. So the cliche is the, the, the game at a time. But for us, we know the team behind us have been there, done it numerous times. So it's just it's, it's just us trying to learn all about the situation. Like, how do we stay here? How do we just perform at that level of consistency, the consistency week in, week out? Pressure. Last year, you was under immense pressure throughout mm. the season from from different points, obviously right to the end. But you're, you're, you as a team will have improved from that moment. Yeah, and I'm bringing Gabby Jesus and Zinchenko, who were known winners. And obviously, they don't solve everything, but there's little moments in everyone's in every team where you doubt a little bit and they've been there and done it and they so that even them like they're both really young but they wait, they'll just say something and then that'll stick with you for half an hour just before you're about to play and you're like well if he's saying that he's gone and done it why can't we do it so we should listen to that yeah so at the moment it's just it's really fun like it's just so much fun going to play football at the moment that's amazing to hear that like, obviously the fun is the biggest reason and the, the only reason why we ever started doing this mm. job because it was fun. That's and what it that, is at the moment for me. And, like, and to say that like it's no longer your job, but you've gone back to that enjoyment factor. I think for everyone to listen and the kids out there is just remember to just, just enjoy it. That every time I have a tough few days or tough few performances, that's all I try and go back to. Diving in the mud, having fun celebrating a save i know people don't really like it but i do everyone is loving seeing your personality now you obviously you're going to have some people criticize you say from that old school where a goalkeeping book mm. of like oh no be quiet and yeah. like don't celebrate a save and all of the, but you're imparting your own personality into your game which people should applaud you for so this 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 is a team is what we're trying to get to though we're trying to get together so close and it's funny we as a team, we got labelled that we over-celebrate and stuff. It's only been three games. It's like, it's so hard to win a game of football it at really any is. level, especially the top level when you're playing Premier League. You're playing away from home. And it's like, we've we've, we've kind of got this effort mentality now at the football club. Where it's like, people always trying to have a sort of a dig at Arsenal. It always has been. But when you're in it, you kind of see it a little bit. And I think before, maybe teams probably over the past eight, ten years maybe have, have took that to heart a little bit, but we're kind of just brushing it off. I'm just like, we'll but do see what your, we want. your winning mentality and celebrating every win, do you think that when you lose a game, it makes you desperate to get that feeling Can't again? wait. Can't wait to, for the next week. Can't wait. Can't wait for training. Training's heated mm. two days after. So we're obviously recovery and then training. Everyone, the day after a loss is such a better training session than when the day after a win because everyone just wants to make it right. Everyone's at it. At it. And people, you make a mistake on a Saturday, on the Monday, people are ready to to be like, I'm, everyone knows you're a good player, but I'm going to show you I don't make that same mistake twice. Is that purely self-inflicted or do you find yourself, you know, are you reading the tweets after games? Are you on the socials and stuff? Or do you switch that stuff off? No, nah, so I, I I used to have my socials on um, and then obviously I got a bit of heat from the transfer in the first place. So the only only sort of notifications or comments people can can do with the people I follow. I started social media, like football, I started for fun. And for my, I follow people who I want to. So people can still sort of at me on Twitter or whatever, but it won't go on anywhere near my profile. But all oh, that's nonsense anyway. Like the You don't do it for them. No, 
it's you the, do it for the, yourself, yeah. your family, your colleagues. And the only people you need is family, yeah. manager, staff, and players, and then your fans. Because that, that, that's be and end all. I don't need anybody on TalkSport liking me. <laughs> that's, so. not, that's not why you do the job no, that you do. Like, not at all. Right, let's go. F- finally, let's talk about England then. Hopes and dreams for the World Cup. Obviously, making your England debut against San Marino in a 10 0 win. Yeah. I'm not going to brush over that, <laughs> mate. Chair. It is unbelievable when you got your first cap, mate. I was there celebrating it like as if I was the one playing. <laughs> I was so proud of you. It was like it's like watching my little boy play, mate. I was like, oh my God, I've, I've worked with him. I, I was like, oh my God, I feel it. I wonder how he feels. Mm. It, was, it was so strange. Like, Gareth was amazing to me. Um, he said, with no disrespect to Sam Marino, you'll have bigger games for Arsenal and for Bournemouth, Sheffield. Um, Harry Maguire. And yeah. Harry Maguire was outstanding. So he was behind me in the in the lineup and he just turned around and just before we walked out, he went, come a long way since Chesterfield, aren't you, bud? Because I used to play with his brother at Chesterfield. So that chilled me out. And then I looked up and my mum, my dad, one of my brothers, my agent and my fiance were out there. Uh, my old, my eldest brother didn't have a passport valid. Idiot. Uh, so he couldn't make it. Um, what pub did he spend the night in? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the local back home. But it was just singing the anthem, seeing them. Dad was in tears. Georgina was in tears. I just singing it. And I managed to get, a, I, I made a save and I made a punch. And then I was done. And it was absolutely fine. I was fine with that. <laughs> and it was just, the next game came around against Italy. Italy just won the European Championships but that first game I always had my nerves but I had the, that first game got all my just got nervous me. nervous out and I was just like it's a game of football again and I was with Big H again and Big H went you ready? I was like yeah and went and played and it was again that enjoyment that, that fun so England is, it's so difficult that the people who were in front of you or behind you pushing you the talent is so good. So it's one you which, are the elite of the country. Yeah. So it's one which you can't take for granted. And I think the World Cup personally, I think it's six months too soon for me to really challenge. And I've said this a few times, it's not for me to go for people to go, Oh no, you should be number one. It's like I'm being realistic. I've played three times for England with a World Cup coming six weeks. I'm a r I'm not really gonna play. But that's not me sort of just throwing the towel in. I'm I'm I am fighting to be that starting goalkeeper. But it's one of them, if I'm not, then I'll support whoever is as best as I can. And best believe after that, I'll be doing everything I can to, to get the next to tournament. Be the next tournament. Yep. And then 2024, the Euros, I'll be 26. Hopefully. It's scary. You'll only be 26, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I'm 36. <laughs> you were saying? Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, nah. Hopefully a few more caps. So it's just so hard to, to break it obviously in our position anyway but to break in stay in do it longevity in football and especially at that level is scary and, and to just get your opportunity and say right I've got a stake a claim now mm. because you're not together that frequently no. and you, you've seen it in the past where a goalkeeper can come in for one game and tarnish their whole like England career mm. so to say that you've already had three caps by the age of 24 mate you've got a great possibility of going to play in the next tournament and even if you don't play just the experience it's a world that, cup it's a world cup mate like you 
to that is the stuff that we've all dreamt about. You, you, you hopefully, mate, fingers crossed, you might have that opportunity to go and go to the World Cup and play. Yeah. Wow. And we've got a team who can win and play or not, if I'm there, I am milking the life out of that. <laughs> it's a World Cup and I will carry the starting goalkeeper home, whoever it is, if we win that World Cup. And there'll be no, there might be jealousy down the line thinking, thinking, oh, it might, imagine if it was me. But at that time, if I've got a gold medal around mine, oh my God, I swear. It'd be, it'd be the best thing ever, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's what you dream of. But even if it doesn't go well for England at the World Cup, that then might create the next opportunity for you. So either way, you're going into this tournament, pressure's off a little bit because you can concentrate on your form for Arsenal and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, exactly that. There's no point thinking about it unless I'm playing well for Arsenal. So that's the first and foremost. And like you say, football is, is so cruel. People get chances through other people's disappointments. And that's a fact. Uh, you never want that to happen to anyone, but it does. And then it's your chance to to go and, and snatch it. Um, Just have to be ready. Yeah. So the opportunity is amazing at the moment. Um, we'll wait and see, but it's a, it's a World Cup. And it's one which... I, I want to be there at, I want to play, but if circumstances are other, other than I'll do everything I can to, to help the goalkeeper and the team. I'll stand in goal for 100 penalties, 100 free kicks, shooting drills, the lot. So it's, it's always going to be enjoyable, isn't it? Amazing. I think that's it then. I think we are going to end the first episode like this. Aaron Ramsdale, what a hero, mate. <laughs> we, you've come such a long way and it's a pleasure to have you on the pod and have been part of your journey. I can tell that I am not going to claim that I've like had any bearing on your career, but it's been amazing to help and see you grow as a person. And I wish you all the best for the future, mate. It's, it's really humbling to see that you, you're still a lovely person. Very mate. nice, isn't it? Thank you very uh, much. So, Thank you very much, Aaron Ramsdale. Thank you. Cheers. This has been the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Massive shout out to the guys at the PGA Tour 2K23 game for sponsoring the pod. Thank you for tuning in to the Yours Mine Away podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Music or wherever you get your podcast from. Find us on all the socials at the Yours Mine Away podcast. What a save from Mark Howard. This is a reminder to drink caffeine responsibly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 